Good morning. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade and I'm the minister here. If you are a guest, uh, we're so happy to have you. If you're a guest, make sure you go back to the back table and get uh, snacks. My, um, I have two daughters that are nine and 11 and um, they got big hearts. They, they buy into the place where we are. And so they were kind of sad on our last Sunday at Buncombe Street driving the church about transition, all kind of stuff. We were here for five minutes last Sunday and friends, new friends, hijacked them and took them to go get donuts and that was it. Um, Memorial's our new home. <laughs> they were totally bought in, uh, so I'm grateful for that. Um, so, okay, if you have prayer concerns, if you'll raise your hand and uh, that you, prayer concerns that you would like to share, if you want to raise your hand, the ushers will give you a card that you can write any uh, type of prayer on that and not only uh, will we pray for you in the service today, you'll be um, prayed for on Tuesday with our prayer group and throughout the week. Um, so I want to make sure to give you that opportunity if you want to raise your hand uh, for a prayer concern. Um, I'm going to call on Cindy for one announcement. I just want to let you know that this service still needs some ushers. Um, we need them for the remainder of this month in August, August and September. It's a super easy job. If you've never done it before, we'll be happy to tell you what's involved. But um, if you would be willing to do that, that would be fantastic. You can see me or you can see Bill Clute. He's running sound for us this morning. We also need setup volunteers for the month of September, which is also, um, we have a book with directions, so it's, it's real easy to follow through. And if you've never done that before, we can give you directions for that too. So if you just let me know, um, if you would be willing to do either one of those jobs, that would be fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you, Cindy. Um, Katie would tell you that the game is on today. It's 50% um, chance of thunderstorms, which is basically the summer. Uh, I do know that the Greenville Drive want to play. They always want to play the game. Um, so we'll get over there and um, we'll see how it works. And maybe we'll stand in the tunnel a little while and then maybe watch some baseballs. Um, thank you for organizing that. Uh, Katie. Um, any announcements before I call on Paige to introduce our Saucahatchee speakers? Okay. Hey guys. So um, Marsha and Jacob, if y'all just come up, um, they were just going to talk with you real quick about Saucahatchee and what they did this year on their particular sites. If you don't know anything about Saucahatchee, what happens is we all go as a group, as a church, and then when we get there, we get split up into multiple different sites. This year it was six. Um, and so we were all on different sites. Um, some of us had friends. I think everybody had at least one person from the church on their site. Um, and so they just wanted to talk to you really quick about what they saw and what they experienced. Jacob's going to go first with a little hesitation. Um, so y'all can go ahead. Um, it's like a hedgy. I was on site three, which um, when we first got there, there was a bunch of carpet on the, on the driveway and stuff. And I first got in the house, and the first thought I had was um, Hoarders Gone Wild, which is it's pretty common there for some reason. Um, our home, there's a hole in the roof, which was a bad thing because it was getting in the house, and it was bad for the carpet and getting all moldy and stuff. So what I did, I helped do the metal roofing and stuff. And my dad brought, gave me some gloves, so I went and cut myself. And so, about lunchtime, on that hot metal roof, my boots started melting, and then they fell apart, 
So we had to duct tape those and finish the job. And then um, our, our site homeowners, they, they, the man had just come home from the hospital with a pacemaker. And the lady, she would just nonstop talk to you about Jesus and God and stuff. So it was pretty good. And first day, we didn't do nothing. We just glimpsed into her talk. Um, and one way I saw God at my site was, was that people from all over would just come and help. There was people all the way from Florida that came and helped us. So that's all I have to say. So Friday night, Miss Marsha was really apprehensive about going to Sakahachi. I was telling Tyler, I was like, I'm just not so sure about this. I don't know how this is going to go. But I sucked it up. We got there Saturday at lunchtime. And I met my parents on 153 and Highway 81 to give off my dog. Because Tyler could take care of the kids for the night. He then took them to his mama's the next day. But the dog was going to have to go to my mama's. And we, I met him in a Walgreens parking lot. My dad looked at all the stuff I had in my car, like my work gloves and that stuff, and he goes, I thought you were going to teach vacation Bible school. So this was not teaching vacation Bible school. But we, um, when we first got to Wren High School, they had a huge charter bus, and we all got to ride around and see each other's homes that we were going to be working on throughout the week, and we got to pick which home we wanted to be at. And we ride around to these six homes, and I'm looking, and there's, you know, I saw Wayne Morris, and I saw Charlie, and there were some other men mostly there were kids like there were some other ladies but mostly it was teenagers and I'm thinking hmm this is a lot of work to be done by mostly teenagers and then that evening um in our meeting they um had people raise their hands and said is anybody here a licensed contractor there was one and I was thinking hmm this is even more interesting we have one licensed contractor these homes that are falling in and how in the world is this going to happen with teenagers? But on the first Monday we were there, I got taught how to put up vinyl signing by a 20-year-old sophomore at University of South Carolina. So I think some of the neatest things that I saw at Sakahachi were, as the kids keep going year after year, Jacob knows how to put on a metal roof now. So I'm certain that next year he's going to teach another kid how to do a metal roof. And that's how the Sakahachi pattern kind of works. Like, you don't have all these skilled craftsmen there doing this stuff. It's kids teaching each other how to do stuff. So that was really neat. At my side, we had two daughters that had been coming for five years with their dad. So it was a dad-daughter week. The mom stayed at home, and these dads were teaching their daughters how to work on homes and do neat stuff. Um, at Jacob's house, when we went back on the following Saturday, I did not recognize his homeowner. She had been given new life through the work that the kids and the adults had done volunteering at Sakahachi. She was a changed person, and she didn't even look like herself anymore after all the hard work that they did. Um, just a quick plug. Our church is hosting the Sakahachi camp for lunch the week of July 13th through 17th. And if anybody's interested in helping give some money to buy some sandwich stuff to feed the kids, see Cindy Miller or designate on your envelope. To um, We're having a huge sandwich spread, and Cindy can let you know if they need anything else. But thank you for giving us the opportunity to go. And if you want to see some pictures of some before and after, we'll be sure to get you those. And they're on the website, too, at um, greerchurch.com. So thank you.
So overall, we had a really good experience. Um, some of the girls were a little surprised at the amount of work that they had to do. But since it was our first year, we'll give them a break. And next year when we go back, they'll be nice and ready to go. So thank you, guys. Will you stand and worship with us? Gracious God, we are blessed this morning to be able to come together in this place to worship you without fear for our safety or our lives, and we are so grateful this weekend for the freedoms that we have and for the people who have given sacrifices, both great and small, so that we have these freedoms. Help us, Lord, not to take it for granted and to take what we gain here out into the community around us and to share your love and your grace with others. Focus our hearts and our minds now on you as we prepare to worship together. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. I know it won't 
Your neighbor and children are welcome to come forward to the children's sermon. Good morning. How is everybody? So a few of you joined me this past Wednesday for our wonderful Wednesday, and it was our patriotic party. And we talked about how we have a freedom here in America because people fought for that freedom for us. It was not free. Somebody had to pay that price for us. And then we also talked about how someone else paid a price for us when they died on the cross. Who was that? That's right. So this morning, we're going to kind of still talk about that. I brought a flag for us to look at, and then there's a big one over there. And we all know the colors in our flag. What colors are they? Right. So I don't know if you've ever thought about what those colors stand for, but we're going to talk about that this morning. The red stands for courage. Many men and women have had the courage to stand up and fight for our country. They have defended our country against our enemies, and some of them have even died for our country. So the red stands for courage. The white stands for purity. And purity means to do what is right. And we hope and pray that our country always stands for what is right. And then the blue stands for justice. So when we say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, we end with these words with liberty and justice for all. And that means in our country, we want everyone to be treated fairly and with respect. So the colors red, white, and blue can always remind us of our country, but they can also remind us of Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? You have? Okay, well, let's talk about that. So if we're thinking about Jesus, what could the red remind us of? 
What's red in our body? What about blood? Yeah? So red reminds me of Jesus' blood that was shed when he died on the cross for our sins. And that's very important because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So the white reminds me that when we give our heart to Jesus, he washes us white as snow. And we've talked about that before, right? The Bible says you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ. And lastly, the blue can remind us of God's faithfulness. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us and make us clean. So the red, white, and blue can remind us of a lot of things on this July 4th weekend. It can remind us of our country and of courage and purity and justice, and it can also remind us of Jesus. Do you like thinking about that? Yeah, me too. Let's close with a prayer this morning. Will you repeat after me? Dear God, thank you for the red, white, and blue. We are thankful for our country, and we are so thankful for you. Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, there are uh, many people who are traveling this week and are on the roads and are tired and are in uh, busy interstates and have people talking behind them and kids screaming. And they can be in harm's way and we ask that you be with them. We have people, dear friends, who are celebrating the 4th with each other in various places around the state. They can occasionally make bad decisions and be in harm's way, and we ask that you pray for them. We have soldiers who are throughout the world giving everything to protect us, and they are in harm's way, and we ask that you may protect them. Lord, be present with us all as we do celebrate the joy of being in the United States, but also considering how can the country bless the world that is your world. Bless our time together in your word that we may hear it, that we may understand it, that we may make it our own going forward from the day. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So um, there's going to be various ways that I pick scripture for um, both worship services for an extended amount of time. Um, but I wanted to give myself and the musicians time to pick the thing together and to collaborate together. So I thought, what would I do in the month of July? What can we do to give ourselves a month to get ready? 
And um, the longer you'll know, you know me, the more you'll learn about how much I love the book of Jonah. Any church that I've served prior to being here can tell you, oh yeah, this, this guy loves Jonah. He talks about Jonah a good bit. Um, it's so uh, short. Okay, I like things that get to it. Um, I'm a Citadel graduate. I love Pat Conroy. I've read a lot of Pat Conroy's books, and I enjoy them. But sometimes, okay, we, we've, decided, we've described that creek. Let's move on. And we've described that sunset. We've described that um, personality disorder with that family member. I, th I think we got it. Let's go. Um, but I totally get why he, he writes the way he does. But um, Jonah is very short and impactful. It's got four chapters. You can read it in a hurry. I like it because it's um, real. It's got um, real pain. It's got real uh, regret. It's got real redemption. It's got stuff that um, humanity needs to understand so that they can process this life that they're living. So with that being said, um, we're going to read chapter 1 this week, chapter 2 next week, chapter 3 on the, what's that be, the 19th, and chapter 4 on the 26th. And then by the <laughs> By the end of July, you'll be like, yeah, we got Jonah. We're good. Um, and then uh, we're going to start in a series, I, I believe. I've, um, I've got an idea about what we're going to do. So Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Jonah is a prophet. And there are major prophets in the Bible, and there are minor prophets. And you can generally tell by the length of the book their significance in the story. And, uh, you know, being four chapters, um, Jonah, Jonah's there in the back. And as a prophet, um, Jonah has three essential tasks First, he needs to understand God's will. He, he needs to be reading about it. He needs to be listening to it. That needs to be uh, his primary focus, is understanding uh, what would God have me do. Um, There's certainly many different versions of uh, the definition of God's will. Some people believe that um, you, you know, this happened because God made it happen, whether it be uh, a major event or a very minor event, God, thank you for that green turn arrow getting me through the uh, intersection. Um, I, I don't tend to weigh in with people as to where they put God's level of interaction. But the, when I speak of God's will, when you hear me talking about it, it's going to be um, uh, God's concepts, God's hopes and dreams, God's desires for us. And so... Um, when we're talking to our girls and we're talking about concepts of behavior, I'm not telling them the words to say. I'm not giving them a script of what they say when they're around their cousins or when they're with their teachers or whatever. We're talking about concepts of the way we're supposed to behave in life. And um, sometimes they live into those concepts and sometimes they don't. And we talk about it uh, in both ways. So first, he's got to understand God's will, God's desire for the world. Second thing he's got to understand is what Disciple Bible Study calls the human condition. He needs to understand humanity. 
what is broken about humanity? What's difficult about humanity? What's amazing about humanity? A prophet can't simply understand what God wants. It's got to understand how hard it is to be human. A prophet can't simply understand how hard it is to be human. It's got to understand what God wants. So if you think about um, the CEO of a corporation that is rarely there, but the manager that has to run the day-to-day -day operations, the manager must understand what it's like to run that machine. But they also got to understand the desires of the CEO in order to speak to them. So a prophet has to understand God, a prophet has to understand humanity, and a prophet has to talk about the gap between God and humanity. And, um, and not in a way that is, uh, well, God's up there and God's amazing and humans are broken, so I guess that's it. I'm just going to yell at y'all. Closing the gap. That, that It is possible to close the gap between what God wants and the way humans behave. And so, such is the call of a prophet. So what are the things that are going to stop a prophet from doing that? Well, the opposite of those things. If a prophet isn't paying attention to God or isn't listening, you're not going to understand God's will. If a prophet is not brokenhearted for humanity, they don't see humanity and think, yeah, I want to help them out. If instead they see humanity and think, oh, morons, I'm not doing anything for those people. Or if they're unwilling to say something. So there's plenty of times when... Um, you are in a situation, whether it's with your family, your coworkers, your fellow church members, when you see something that probably needs to be said, but you don't want to say it. You don't want to say it because there's going to be blowback. You don't want to say it because you know, I say it every time. You don't want to say it because you don't think they're going to change. There are any number of reasons why you will not mention the thing and help them. So. Just in general, that's the call of the prophet. And just in general, that's the challenges of a prophet. So Jonah has two problems. One, he doesn't want to listen to God in this instance. And that's primarily due to the fact that his heart is not broken for the people of Nineveh. So the question is why? The people of Nineveh have crushed his people for as long as he can remember, and perhaps before then. So if God were to say to him, if you don't go do something, I'm going to crush those people who have crushed your people all the time. What do you think his first reaction is? Awesome. I hate those people. Wipe them all off the face of the earth. I don't like them. Why would I go and help those people? So God says, hey, I want you to go over there, and I don't know if it's a dig, I don't, I don't know what, to say the great people of Nineveh. You know, we've all got our divisions that we set up in humanity, and some of them are by color, and some of them are by team, and some of them are by um, politics, and some of them are by church. But if you hear the other side of something that you're involved in referred to as great, you're not all that interested in it. And if you were told you need to go help those people or you might, or they might be wiped off the face of the earth, you might have a difficult time doing something about it. So he says, I want you to go and help those people and I'm going to go get on a boat instead. I'm done. I'm not going to do that. 
He hopes his lack of action will lead to destruction. Verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They threw their cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, but Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is, this con- what is your country? From what people are you? So the first question is, how can you sleep? How in the world, in this massive storm, can you be asleep? And uh, it occurred to me, it's funny, you know, the things, pop culture references that pop in my head as I'm driving to, or walking to the church. Um, I forget what movie it was, but when they were wondering about whether someone was a criminal or not, the person said, well, if you lock them both up in prison, the one who's sleeping knows he's caught and he can rest. And the one who isn't is going to be a train wreck. Because how could this be? It's going to be up all night. I forget what movie that is, but I feel certain one of you is going to tell me at the end. He's saying, how can you be sleeping? So this is what's interesting about the Bible is how so many stories are interconnected and the number of times that the authors of the Gospels tie back to the Old Testament, a story to the Old Testament. The reason they want to tie back to the story of the Old Testament is for people who are wondering whether Jesus is real or not will believe that he's real. So when the disciples were in the boat and there was a big storm, what was Jesus doing? He's napping on the bottom of the boat, just like Jonah was. He says, why are you sleeping? It's interesting that the captain is the third party now that needs Jonah. God needed Jonah. People of Nineveh needed Jonah, and now the captain of the ship needs Jonah. And all of them are in peril because Jonah wants to nap. He, um, uh, what is it like, literal and metaphorical? <laughs> is that it? Um, uh, he is literally napping, but he's also sort of sleepwalking through life, not wanting to do the thing he's supposed to do. He's putting three people at risk. God's will is at risk. The people of Nineveh are at risk, and now these guys on this boat are at risk. You ever have some kind of problem or some sort of thing that you've let go that you just sort of keep going along and you haven't addressed it? Just sort of hoping, what, that elves come along and handle it? Or that someone will see the thing and think, oh, somebody ought to do this, I'll do it. Or that it just sort of goes away somehow? Maybe if I don't notice that thing or pay attention to it, maybe it'll just go away. Like it... um, like there's a badger in the pantry. I'm scared of badgers. I'm not doing anything about it. Maybe he'll just open the door and walk out of the house. Like that ain't, that ain't gonna happen. It's never gonna happen, but we just keep putting it off for one reason or another. He says, get up and do something. Do something. So um, my wife's family has gone to Edison Beach for uh, decades. And I've gone there now almost half my life. I went there as a, um, as a friend 
and then as a boyfriend, and then we got engaged there, and now I've been married there, and I have children there now. And um, you know, you spend enough time in a place, and uh, you know, things start to become um, home to you. So we were there, and there's just this massive storm coming across the water. So uh, we were thinking, God, we gotta get all the chairs in, we gotta get the tents in, we gotta get the umbrella in, we gotta get the games in. Imagine you're just sitting on the porch just watching it. What would the kids say? Or we just stay out in the yard, no big deal. We can just get out in the yard and keep playing. No, we gotta do something. There's a massive storm coming, we gotta do something about it. So he says, what's your country? And it's interesting, that's the first time that he's interested. And something about being his country is the reason why he's here. He's been asked as a member of this nation to go and help another nation. And his allegiance to this nation is stopping him from going to help another one and then is putting these people at risk as well. He's tied to his nation more than he's tied to his God. And he's in a tough spot because of it. He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done to make him angry? The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? So I have an app that I listen to the Bible all the time. And I'll change up the translations just for fun. And the King James Version in this part says, the sea was tempestuous, grumpy. It's coming for them. And they are horrified. And you notice in each time that it mentions God, it's lowercase g. That's because they all had different gods. No, all praying they're different gods and seeing, you know, um, the height of their faith is let's try this God and see if it works out. That one didn't work. Let's pray to this one. Does your, does your lowercase g God work? Nope. All right, let's do this one working around the horn, hoping that there's a solution. So he's beginning to understand and wake up to his calling, Jonah. And he says, I'm the reason that every one of you is at risk. So I want you just to toss me in the sea. Pick me up and throw me in the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it's my fault and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They could not. The sea grew even wilder than before. He feels bad that he's put these men at risk. And how very human of them to say, what would you say the cause of this is? And he says, I'm the cause of it. If you throw me in, I'll be good. And they say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep rowing ourselves and see if we can get it ourselves and see if we can fix it ourselves. How very human of them. So, in that moment, they've got to decide whether to throw the man who is connected to the God who has caused the storm into the ocean, potentially killing them, which will then cause that God to kill all of them. Imagine being in that position. Imagine thinking, uh, yeah, I gotta go to work today. I'm gonna fish today. Fishing yesterday. I gotta see beside this guy again today. This guy always says more than he should. 
boring to be on the, whatever. Whatever reason is their work is um, mundane and they don't want to do it. Now their life is at risk. And they're going to throw them into um, sea. They cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Look at his capital. Have done as you pleased. And they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So, had Jonah not said something about his God, they would not, these men from another nation would not have been transformed. Had he not been willing to go to Nineveh, as we hear, that nation would not be transformed. And he could take everything that he'd been given by his God and just keep it all to himself for his nation and think, that's it, that's all I'm going to do. And all those people would have been put at risk. So, um, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So who else did something for three days and three nights? Jesus did. Who else calmed a storm that freaked out the people who were in the storm? Jesus did. So if you pay attention to the number of times that heroes from the Old Testament did something, and the number of times that Jesus did that thing and it was documented, you can see the nature of which the writers wanted to tie Jesus to the entire Old Testament as the fulfillment of it. So, um, what's tremendous about loving your country? Uh, you know, a number of things. I was here last Saturday. We were at the, um, what would you call that? In the park. Freedom Fest 2015. And it was fun. They had awesome music. Um, they had awesome snacks. Um, the line was too long for funnel cakes. I wasn't as committed as I should have been because uh, normally I'm fully committed to the funnel cake. But what was tremendous is they had the veterans come through the path and they played all the songs of all the veterans. And I was sitting there with the girls and I'd say, this is what this branch is. This song's playing, so that's this branch. This song's playing, this this branch. These are the different emphases of the each branch. And they were like, where's the funnel cake? <laughs> you know, that's cool. Uh, but let's, um, how about next time as you're explaining all this stuff to us, you have a funnel cake in your hand. <laughs> so that celebration of so many positive things about our country um, has the... Uh, um, it's got the ability to draw us together when we're struggling to be together as a nation. And of course we struggle. So that's tremendous. Honoring the people who've sacrificed for us and continue to do so, tremendous. Asking for God to bless America is fine. Asking God to exclusively bless America is not fine. So thinking about um, being, being tied to your nation is important. There are plenty of times in the Old Testament in which they are directly tied to their nation and their nation's interests. But there's plenty of times in the New Testament where Jesus says, um, these lines that y'all have drawn, they're not as significant as what I'm erasing. 
is reaching out to other people. So I thought um, Independence Week Sunday, it'd be important to note how important it is to love our country, but it's also important to note how we are to love other countries as well, as hard as it can be. Um, not the easy ones to love, but the difficult ones to love. Um, Nineveh wasn't, uh, you know, just a mild rival that we trade a bunch of stuff with. They were a bitter rival that crushed them. So let's understand how hard it is to be human and how hard it is to love our enemies. Let's understand God's will is to love everyone with our whole heart. And let's understand that we can't do that perfectly every day but that we will continue to fight and to do it. We will put our best effort out to do it, to pursue the will of God and to close that gap as much as we possibly can. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your honest human biblical leaders and for the ways in which we can identify with their humanity Thank you as well for your call to, for them to elevate themselves and to elevate others. And as we hear the story of one of your prophets, help us to make it our story, our struggle, our desire to follow you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's read our affirmation together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. If our ushers will come forward, uh, we'll return thanks with our tithes and other offerings.
stand and sing with us. Sorrow inside, praise the Lord. 
I like it. Don't forget your um, poncho if you're going to the game this afternoon. If you are on Facebook, I wish you'd come find me. I don't know to come find you, um, but you can come find me. It's Joe Kate. Um, that is a very helpful pictorial directory for me to get to know you and get to know your family. Uh, so make sure you come find me. Um, understand God's will. Understand the human condition and understand that there's something we can do to pursue that will and everything that we say we'll do, uh, we think. Uh, we can be pursuing what God would have us to do. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Start a fire in my soul, fan the flame, make it grow. So there's no doubt or denying, let it burn so brightly that everyone around can see. That it's you, that it's you that we need, start a fire in me. Have a blessed week.